0: Yo chuck, run a power move
1: on them. Yeah. 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 Step back way. Give the brothers a room. You got the whole journey out.
0: May I say something to you to give you a true knowledge of yourself and life, so that the same glory and success attained by other men who understand themselves may be yours? Man in the full knowledge of himself is a superb and supreme creature of creation. When man becomes possessor of the knowledge of himself, he becomes master of his environment, the captain of his own ship, the director of his own destiny, the accomplisher of his own ends. Good afternoon, good day, good evening, good week. Um, This is the Brooklyn Combine. We are the Brooklyn Combine. Welcome to this week's podcast. Um, Today, we have a, a, a reoccurring guest, Dr. Barbara. Who's been here um, with us before, um, Dr. Barber? Welcome.
2: Thank you for inviting me.
0: And um, also, um, we have some other people in the room. if anybody else wants to do an introduction, or we silent players in this? I'll say hi. I'm Rudy. All right, we got Rudy here. Jazz, and we got Jazz and Phil. Phil. Phil the uh, resident technician and rebel uh, a and rebel a who is a silent partner today um, So we have um, and we don't have someone today. Yeah, so uh, That's great. If, if if you hear if there is an absence of chewing or um, Anything of that nature that means Kenneth Montgomery K is, is not, not here in the building because um, he, he always brings the good Good eats and, and delectables here because um, he's always hungry and he's always bringing us food. So thank him for that. And so we kind of missing the meals. Phillip Shout was, out to Kenny. Yeah, you were supposed to kind of pick up that ball. Actually, uh, Rudy just Actually, did. Rudy did. He yeah. brought us chips and candy. The, the, the great ghetto meal. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> so um, we want to talk this week um, about storytelling Um, we've, the Brooklyn combine has really been doing some great work, um, in the community and we've been blessed to have a partnership, uh, in Red Hook, working with a group of youth, um, in storytelling, uh, through media, photography and coding. And so it's only fitting that Dr. Barbara is here with us today. Um, Dr. Barbara is a legend of many rights. Um, and Dr. Barbara, correct me if I'm wrong, but since we last seen you, you got younger. Is that correct?
2: <laughs> I don't think so. I think uh, <laughs> I think a, I'll be eighty four, December thirteenth. Oh man, wow. wow. all right. Well, she, she let's clap it up.
3: So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So that means Doctor Barbara has a lot of stories to tell, and hopefully, we'll get into some of that today. Um, she has a, a beautiful head of silver hair. Her skin is just radiant, radiant, glowing. And so, on that same note, Doctor Barbara, I want to ask you if you can speak a little bit about preservation
2: how do you preserve yourself
0: um, well, you, well we, we just mm-hmm. you know well, in any way
2: well you know what I was very fortunate uh, last week I went to a, a birthday party of, of one of my scholarly friends she was 92 mm-hmm. and she used to uh, be the assistant of Dr. John Henry Clark mm. oh, wow. and so we had a party for her down in sister's place of course and uh, we were telling stories about her life at 92 mm-hmm. and how she, what she went through, and her, her father was had multiple sclerosis, and he worked for the post office, and she was telling us that it was just her father and another black man who worked at the post office, mm-hmm. and they had to take an exam every Monday. Every Monday? Every Monday. The white people, they didn't have Namely. to take an exam. yeah. yeah. But her father and the other man had to take an exam. And so we started talking about you know what we went through in our lives because as I was saying, I was born in Bensonhurst, mm-hmm. Brooklyn, and we didn't have, it was a, a situation of black erasure back then because we didn't have black dolls, black makeup, black stockings. If you wanted some stockings, you had to dip it in some <laughs> tea or some coffee right, right. to darken it up. And so that's how our, our lives started out be, being erased. Mm-hmm. And so as we went along, you know, we had to come into our own by ourselves. Mm-hmm. But we had a lot of elders, we were very fortunate, we had a lot of elders around us who took it upon themselves to have forums for us. We had uh, first something called First World Alliance, mm-hmm. and they would have, it was in a church on 145th Street, and they would have all the historians come in on a rotating basis. One week they would have uh, Dr. Ben, mm-hmm. next week they would have John Henry Clark, they would have Dr. Ivan Van they'd have Amiss Wilson, mm-hmm. everybody in their own discipline. And it cost three dollars to get in, but if you didn't have the money, you could come in anyway mm-hmm. everybody right. was turned away. Mm-hmm. And so we went there for years, because it take, when you had been uh, totally erased out of history, and you don't even realize all the things that you've done. It takes a lot for you to catch up and come with your realization that you've been lied to.
3: Mm.
2: You know. And I said the greatest thing last week when uh, we were speaking about her. So we had. So I got up and I said that I've known her <clears throat> over 60 years. Mm-hmm. I watched her grow up, her kids grow up, her grandkids, and now her great grands. And so. She was the person who introduced me to Dr. Sabi, Because mm-hmm. oh, people, wow. people said, oh, you're you 83, you're gonna be 84. So we started talking about health. And I didn't know anything about Dr. Saby. Mm-hmm. And so she, uh, Dr. Saby got arrested mm-hmm. for practicing medicine without a license and whatever else. And she said to me- Healing well, folks. She said to me, come to the fundraisers. So I started going to the fundraisers and he was there of course. And he started talking, and doc- it was straight. Doctor Sabi said he never went to school.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He said he didn't like it, and he, his mother and his grandmother uh, used to try to make him go to school. But he said he didn't like school. He didn't go, and he was raised in Honduras. And so he said he would just go down with the healers, the elders, and they started teaching him how to he- how to how to heal, mm-hmm. and so. When he started talking, Dr. Stavey said something that I take with me, and he said, there's only one disease,
3: mucus. and that's
2: mucus. Where the mucus stops up is what you have. Mm. And so what I try to do, he used to, we used to use all his, his formulas, we used, to, we used to buy all this mm-hmm. stuff, and his formulas, magic. I remember one time, I was losing feeling in, in my feet, mm-hmm. and he gave me a consultation. He gave me some, within a week, it went away. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the heck it was. Mm-hmm. And so she started me, like she's 92, and she, we went, uh, last week we had, I worked for Peace Health Center at Dr. Mm-hmm. Kinsey. She's the an acupuncturist. Mm-hmm. And so we had a fundraiser last week for Peace Health Center out um, in Queens. When I got out to Queens, I had a lift. I got out to Queens she was there, ninety-two. Mm-hmm. She came by public transportation. She didn't even have to She right. got on the train and mm-hmm. the bus. Mm-hmm. I see her all the time. She's down in Barnes and Nobles. So if I go in Barnes and Nobles on Court Street, I go upstairs in the cafe. I see her in the corner. She got her books, mm-hmm. looking at books, keeping up
3: mm-hmm.
2: with the history and being active. I mean, when you talk to her, it's like talking to
3: Shawbird. Right, right, right. She mm-hmm.
2: got it. She, like I said, she worked with Dr. Clark. Mm-hmm. She proofread his books. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't do last week, Dr. Scobie wrote a book. Right. And he wrote such a, a nice acknowledgement about her. I, I'm sorry I didn't bring it mm-hmm. with me. That's all right. Yeah. No, I'm to the right. party last you gotcha, week. Gotcha, I got okay. I should have read it where he talked about her proofreading, how she never missed any mm-hmm. mistakes, mm-hmm. you know. But I would say being in good health is is a part of uh, staying involved.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, if you stay home, the brain just shrivels up. You gotta Mm -hmm. stay involved, stay active. You know, I go to my jazz every Saturday Mm -hmm. night, and you meet people there. And so you can't, being healthy is being psychologically healthy, Mm -hmm. not only physically healthy. Right. But you gotta understand, we got what I call a sick care system. Mm-hmm. We don't have health care <laughs> right. in this country mm-hmm. because, like Malcolm said, of greed and ignorance, because when we were young, all city hospitals were free. Mm-hmm. The city, state, and federal governments gave the, the hospital, so when you went to the hospital, public hospital, mm-hmm. you went there, you got treated, they gave you, a, they gave you a prescription right on the first floor, it's a pharmacy, got your prescription filled. If they told you to go home and come back, they gave you money to go home and come back. Mm -hmm. And everybody says, and city colleges were free. Right. For the same reason, the city, state, and federal funded. So you wasn't bogged down with all these loans when you got finished. Now a lot of my friends, they went to Kings County, had a nurses training program. Mm -hmm. And not only did you go there, they gave you some money. They gave Mm -hmm. you money for uniforms, and you know stockings and whatever you needed, coffee to get back and forth. Mm-hmm. That made sense. So people said, "Well, what happened?" What happened is at that time America was an industrialized nation. Mm-hmm. Everything was made here. cars, TVs, clothing.
0: So it was important to maintain the health of their number one human, with well, their number one resource, which was human resources. Yeah,
2: human resources. Mm-hmm. And you know, you he was not barred down with that. Because mm-hmm. as I was saying before, my mother got sick, and we, were, we lived in, in Bessinghurst, right. so we was a, she was in Coney Island Hospital, and the doctors here, they didn't know what was wrong with her. But her blood kept disappearing, and so they said to her, well you gotta to go to John Hopkins. Mm-hmm. And she said, I'm not going to John Hopkins, I got four children to take care of. Mm-hmm. And so they sent the doctors from John Hopkins to her. And they found out what was wrong with her. And they went back. We, didn't, we don't have no John Hopkins bill. Right. Because we'd probably still be paying it. Of course. But I'm saying, back then, at least, there was some kind of health care. They, they prepared food on the premises. It wasn't food packaged and then nuked. Right. <laughs> so then you when you get, what mm-hmm. good is that food going to do to your body when you're trying to get well?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and you got this food that has, if it had some nutritional value by the time they nuke it, it doesn't.
0: Right. So, it's interesting that, you, that you're speaking about that, you know, health, healing, and community involvement and in community right. uh, and interest in the community. I was listening to uh, this podcast uh, that I'm a huge fan of called Hidden Brain. And one, of they, one thing they talked about is one of the number one um, contributors to illness and death among men is loneliness okay um because you know they said one of the ways to combat that is to have more enriched love loving warm relationships um do you think that's still that's something that's going do. on you, you do. think you think that's still around
2: yeah i do mm-hmm. my parents you know you have to my parents were both 17 when they got married because mm-hmm. my mother was pregnant and they stayed married like i said in, in our house I never saw my parents argue. Mm-hmm. I didn't I'm not saying they didn't argue. But
4: you never saw
0: it.
2: But I know, they didn't argue in Becca in front of mm-hmm. us. So I was able to grow up in at least a, a loving and right people who understood mm-hmm. that you it's all about your children. It's mm-hmm. all about what you were passing on to your children mm-hmm. and what your children see you do. Mm-hmm. Like my, my oldest brother was married to his wife sixty eight years when he died and I think it's because my parents set that pattern of how you get along, how you respect uh, people. because mm-hmm. my, my father's mother lived with us she came when my mother was sick during right. that time, she came to live with us uh, from South Carolina and she never went back home. Mm-hmm. And so everybody used to think that was my mother's mother because my mother dealt with her with such reverence. right So everybody thought, you know that's her mother no that's, that's my father's mother. But my mother dealt with her. so we saw that mm-hmm. how how you deal with elders, you know, and so it is. It's something that you have to be uh, exposed to. Mm-hmm. How do you love people? How do you respect somebody? Mm-hmm. You, when you see two people, a lot of people have never seen two people get along.
0: Right. It's not. It's not something that's promoted in this no. dominant
2: you, culture right respect, now. With mm-hmm. respect, where you respect somebody, and so. Like I said, most of, when I was growing up, most of my friends had two parents right. living with them, mm-hmm. you know. And we understood. We had to get along. And we couldn't have, you know, all well, this talking back. I see a lot of these young mm-hmm. kids, babies giving word for word. Mm-hmm. I see them on TV. I said, well, I don't know what they... <laughs> you can think something. You better think it to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But we learned that. Some elders came out. And we had to get up, get them a seat, Ask them if they want some water, if you, you know? And like I said, we, we understood about survival. We grew up during the Depression. Right. And food was rationed. We had food rationing here. Mm-hmm. And we had, you had to get these ration books. And.
0: Yeah, like stamps or something like that. Yeah, they had a bunch one. of stamps. They had mm-hmm. a
2: sugar sugars. So you got one sugar stamp per family, per month. Mm-hmm. You had shoe stamps, uh, and people would, you know, Get, help each other. Mm. Like my grandfather would give my mother shoe stamps because you know elders their feet don't grow anymore. <laughs> right. If you kid, you still need to. And you walking around as
4: much. Yeah. As old, the
2: older and people. like I was telling my, I was telling you about my mother. She used to turn on people's electricity mm, with we a penny. It, <laughs> my <barnets> grandmother <laughs> turned it off. You know, and that's, that's what you call group survival. Of course. Black people, we couldn't get insurance back then. So when somebody died. Mm-hmm. You know, if you went to your building, if you lived in a building or you went to the neighborhood, mm-hmm. somebody did a collection, somebody gave you some, a suit or whatever it was, and you were laid out in the house, not mm-hmm. in your funeral parlor. Right. You could be laid out in the living room mm-hmm. or you were laid out in your bedroom. And that's where all that cooking and eating comes from, you mm-hmm. know, when we, mm-hmm. the, let's have some food and repast. because Chicken and spaghetti, that people, was what they
0: had when I was People stayed
2: with you from the time the person died mm-hmm. until they got buried. And so people was bringing food that yeah. whole time and donate money, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's how we survive.
0: So, um, Dr. Barber, this is amazing stuff. Um, we want to take a quick music break. We want to continue on with the same conversation. Um, and are y'all enjoying this conversation? Y'all good? Yeah. All right, cool. All right. So we're going to take a quick music break, and then we're going to come back um, with this uh, next segment with Dr. Barber. May
4: there be peace and love and perfection throughout all creation, O God, may there be peace and love and perfection throughout all creation, O God.
0: Barbara, you know, we started this uh, conversation out about um, preservation, um, and you touched on a couple different to- topics about preservation of self through health, preservation of self through community involvement, community healing, and community, um, just all, all, all these different aspects. So um, I want to try to bring it a little closer home to you, and I want to talk about preservation as it relates to the work that you've been doing.
2: Well, one of the things I do is I work at Peace Health Center, mm-hmm. and it's a place where we do acupuncture. And Dr. Kinsey, I work with Dr. Kinsey, and uh, it was funny. I was talking to Ezekiel, is his name. Mm-hmm. And, oh yeah, yeah, Easy. Yeah, and I was in in the in the barbershop, and I, there was another young man in there, and he said to me, asked me if I knew her, and he had no idea that I had any connection with her, and that I, he knew her sons. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I said, "Yeah." I said, "No, her. She's a good sister. She also is a political activist. She's a New York Kawa Kawaeda. That's a uh, Malanca Rangers organization. Mm-hmm. So even in 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 the in Peace Health Center, we do political work mm-hmm. and we do healing work. And we have a massage therapist. I give massages. I get acupuncture. Because when you get old, you need all that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, because their plan don't pay for it, they don't get it.
0: Right. And and they and and they're not informed about getting it because it's not something that the plan is outlining that.
2: Yeah, but we have them. community prices. We have fifty dollars. If you go on the internet, and look at any place for acupuncture, it's going to be over a hundred dollars.
0: Now, just say that for us, nice and slow. The organization that you're working with, because this is something I think that everybody should hear about. That this is the the organization that you're working with is called what again? It's
2: Peace Health Center.
0: Peace Health Center. Yeah. All right. So make sure you guys are looking into the Peace Health Center. Yeah.
2: It's five eighty two Halsey Street. In okay. Portland. Great. Okay. lives on Halsey. Mm-hmm. Huh?
4: He lives
5: on Halsey. Seven, well, I'm about to say. <laughs> <laughs> <right. Wait>.
4: Yeah.
5: <laughs> um, uh, Doctor Barbara, how long have you been doing acupuncture?
2: uh working with the uh let's see. about twelve years mm-hmm. I've been working with her. But like I said, we also work like I said, she works with Malana Koringa and so we do we have forums there and I gave one there. And like I was telling him I get I bought there's a book called We Charge Genocide. Mm-hmm. And it was written back in nineteen fifty one and it was presented to the United Nations on December 17, 1951, by Paul Robeson. Mm -hmm. And another, Dr. Peterson, he gave it in France at the same time. And the book charges the United States with genocide. Because even if you set up conditions by which people can't live, it's genocidal. It's like all the mass homelessness. And like you said, a lot of men alone, because they get to the point where they can't, afford to take care of their family and so they leave you know it's just a lot to do right you know or men and this society is geared toward destroying our men
0: you know and it's interesting that you bring up that point because one of the things that I've been kind of a revelation that I came to very recently is that you can be whomever you want however you can't live however you want the living part is a privilege So to live with your family, to be able to take care of your family, to live amongst your community and be a a stakeholder or a viable um, participant, that's a bit of a privilege.
2: And having someone, my father used to say what he loved about my mother. He said, he would say, even when I wasn't working, Mm -hmm. she would work, she never made me feel less than. Of course, that's brilliant. And you know the most important thing, the way you make somebody feel Mm. is very important.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: So, um, in your, would you consider yourself to be an activist?
2: Yeah, I'm an activist. I worked with a lot of people. Uh, Lumbee uh Last time I was here, I was telling you, uh, telling him about Lumbee. Lumbee mm-hmm. worked for Channel Seven, mm-hmm. and he worked for Like It Is with Gil Noble. You actually
0: told me about that because I'm not a New Yorker, so like okay. this. Is, but I remember you speaking to me about that at
2: and Ilumbe, he had a program on WVAI called African Kaleidoscope. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I liked about, it, everybody loved about it, Ilumbe was one of the most brilliant human beings you could ever imagine. He knew everybody, he knew all the African leaders and when you worked with him, he made sure that you met everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. That you met Nelson Mandela when they came, everybody knew him. Mm-hmm. And when he, it came to town for the UN, and he would have things, he would have his group, people who work with him to meet these leaders. You know, they, of course they're not gonna remember you, but at least you met them. Right. You know, you met uh, Sam, the gentleman I remember. So you got, that was an on-the-job training, like meeting these people, having, and a lot of times I didn't even understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. But you know, he would always explain it, and you know, you could ask him any questions later. Right. And like I said, he never, as brilliant as he was, he never was so caught up in in his own Mm. self-importance. And I, I keep in touch with his sons. Right. Yeah. So we had Ilumbe when we did political work, and he would have forums every Friday night at Harriet Tubman School in Manhattan. And whatever was going on in the community, whatever was bothering him, whatever topic that needed to be talked about, he'd have a forum on that and he'd get the best person to explain whatever was going on. Mm -hmm. And so then we would have, like I said, we had our Saturday forums with First World Life where we had constant historians and then, uh, what's his name, Reverend Mm Daughtry picked it up and he had the Timbuktu Learning Center and he would have the same historians on Wednesday nights. Mm -hmm. And there's automatics they have forms as the slave mm-hmm. you know they just, just them. that i was just yeah. saying
4: they should ask you about the slave mm-hmm. yeah
2: about the slave he had uh, i have a lot of videos from the slave mm-hmm. like i say you got to bring him you got bring him over dr yeah, yeah you know <laughs> i have one i think we should all look at Winston. it's a three part it's called global white supremacy mm-hmm. and gary bird did the he was the announcer dr john henry clark mm-hmm. did the historical aspect of right. global white supremacy uh, Attorney Austin Maddox did the legal mm-hmm. aspect and Dr. Angus Wilson did the psychological aspect. And it was a three-week thing and it was two VCRs B- two every week. Right, wow. So, and I think that's not, we, this is what we need to understand right now. Mm-hmm. Because what is going on is that these Europeans operating on America changing colors. What would have, I have a nineteen ninety magazine, the entire time magazine is America Changing Colors. What will America be like when whites are no longer the majority? Mm-hmm. And they do twenty fifty. So there's a Trump and them not waiting. Right. Right. They said, this is it. hmm And all this stuff of removal. See when they now when they all came out about abortion, they mean white women. They mean Mm-hmm. They want white women to procreate. They don't right. care about us. Right. And this is why they're passing all these laws mm-hmm. against abortion. Because they want procreation. Mm-hmm. This is why we got voter suppression. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to outnumber us soon, and we can't let you vote. We can't let you put another Obama right. in
0: office. You know, there was some, I, I saw on social media somewhere, and I think it might have been on... TV that somebody kind of grabbed it and put it on uh, the Instagram, but somebody was saying something about, you know, when you go to certain communities, these cl- these health clinics that are geared towards women are almost like polar opposites. In the white uh, communities, you have fertility Absolutely. clinics, Absolutely. and then the uh, marginalized, uh, poor, black, Hispanic, poor, white communities, you yeah. have Planned Parenthood abortion yeah. clinics.
3: Yeah.
2: And they sterilize you. Like, that's what they did. They're fed in New Haven yep. without your knowledge. Mm. You sterilize. It's called a Mississippi appendectomy, mm. where you go there for one thing, and you're sterilized.
3: That, they, had, mm. they
2: have a book here called White, what is it?
0: White Lines.
3: No,
2: white, poor, white Trash.
0: That's what it's called, White Trash?
2: No, that book is outside. I saw it out there.
0: McKinney's got a, a huge collection of books. Um, so if anybody ever was, you know, came through the combine office, you will see uh, yeah. quite a display of books. Well, I'm gonna say, yeah, mm-hmm. the book here. There's mm-hmm. a,
2: a story in that book mm-hmm. about this white woman that they sterilized against her will, mm-hmm. and she. They said she was feeble-minded. They had a big program in 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 America mm-hmm. that sterilized poor women,
4: mm-hmm. and,
2: uh, white women. Mm-hmm.
4: Uh-huh. I, was, I was gonna say I, I, I remember reading in this one book I think it's the Black Woman's Anthology, also about how they did this in India. They um, sterilized I think like eleven million yeah. boys and girls. Yes, yeah.
2: they did it to indigenous people. Yeah. They did it in Australia. Mm-hmm. These people died by the aborigines. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a there's a an island off the coast of Australia mm-hmm. where they within a hundred years t- Tasmania mm-hmm. within a hundred years they had killed everybody in the place.
0: Mm. that is these people don't play no. I was
2: telling Z, I said listen, this is a crimeogenic society this is a criminal enterprise mm-hmm. here run by criminals mm. exactly mm. this is what this is
0: mm. so you know and and this everything that you're saying is like really really um mind boggling for a lot of different reasons because a lot a lot of listeners uh that uh tune into the podcast you know a lot of people they're they're pretty in tune. Um, but not everybody knows the depths of what you're talking about. Um, which makes me want to ask another question. You know, we, you talked about your activism. How does um, storytelling play into this? And if, and if in any way?
2: Well, you know, it's they don't tell you. But the, when you have history, it's his story. Mm-hmm. It's not your story.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: that's where people get confused. It's not your story. Mm-hmm. And they lie at every gesture. I remember... Uh, this would be a bookstore on the corner of 125th Street and 7th Adequate Power Boulevard, mm-hmm. where the office state building is now. Right. I have people contradict me, but I got some pictures of it. Mm-hmm. And the name of the book, it was there for over 40 years before when they tore it down to build the office state building. And the name of the bookstore was the African Nationalist Memorial Bookstore the home of common sense and proper propaganda. (laughs) Mm.
0: Common sense and proper propaganda.
2: And everybody was hooked up there. That's where I first saw Malcolm X, because one of my friends told me, we need to go to the bookstore and buy some books. Mm -hmm. And then Friday night, we went up there. It was mob because Malcolm X was hooked up to the microphone. And Thousand people out there, Mm -hmm. and he was talking about Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Why they should go to Vietnam? Should or should not? Should not go to Vietnam, Mm -hmm. because he said you don't even know where it is. (laughs) Right. He said because they changed the name. It used to be French Mm Indochina, and he went gave a whole history of why we there, why Mm -hmm. we were there, Mm -hmm. and why you shouldn't go. Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, you bleed when the white man tell you to bleed. You know, you do. And so everybody. We started going on that corner. It'd be Dr. Ben Ever in a book written by Sister Abiola St. Clair. And I'm glad she wrote that book and have pictures of that bookstore in her book. Right. And Dr. Ben speaking in front of there, Malcolm X speaking in front of there. What's the name of the book? I'll get back to it. I think it's something called <laughs> Harlem or something like mm-hmm. that. But anyway, as she passed. She passed away. She used to work for the Amsterdam News. But you have to have these books because people tell you something didn't happen because they don't know about it. And it wasn't a bookstore, it was the epicenter of culture. That's where W.E. Du Bois met his wife. Right. All the intellectuals used to be and that's uh, We used to go just stand up against the wall. Because you never think, knew who was walking in. You never knew mm-hmm. what Paul Robles used to mm-hmm. come in here, Jane Baldwin used to come in here Because the man who owned it, Mr. Major, he was he was a black nationalist. Mm-hmm. And it was a black nationalist store. Mm-hmm. And he had a, a woman who used to work there and she was a very little short woman and she was always dressed in her african finery mm-hmm. and i had never seen you know somebody
0: in, in decked in out Af- like that deck,
2: in her and mm-hmm. her beautiful african gown and she was a very nice woman and she would take all the young people under her wing mm-hmm. and she would tell you what to read what to start off with she started me off with Jay rogers mm-hmm. superman to man oh we oh my just goodness that's what we that were just talking about thread. that on the thread Oh, yeah.
0: I actually spoke with um, some architects um, last week uh, about that.
5: Uh, Can I, I ask I w- a question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what I was just saying is I'm like imagining this time and the, I'm I'm envious because I guess we don't have it. Obviously, I'm around all these old guys, but I don't have... <laughs> uh, hey. Chill. Hey, my, my peers, I don't have... Or oh, I'm just I don't go I don't know where to look for yeah, that intellectual, intellectual because everybody's like 90%. if you go even go to Atlanta or Houston where these it's a lot of black professionals. Right. I are corporate say, minded. Yeah. yeah. they're more corporate minded. There's mm-hmm. they've assimilated it's like, oh everything's good. We're chilling. We got our condos. Yeah, we, get, we got our condos. We we got, get, we're chilling. Doing good. We're doing good. Yeah, we're doing good. And it's mm-hmm. not this like, nah, we're not doing that good. We need a we need a new Harlem Renaissance. Yeah. We need a well,
2: new like as people have to understand this survival of an individual and then the survival of mm-hmm. the group. Mm-hmm. And so, when you're a political activist and you have all these people around you, you understand the survival. That's why people donate money. That's mm-hmm. why when we had the forums, those of us who give $10, gave 10 because mm-hmm. somebody else couldn't give anything. Maybe they wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And so you have to.
4: How do you feel about uh, entities like COINTELPRO and their effect on mm-hmm. like the black intellectuals? Yeah.
2: Everybody. They, um, they, they, they do every, because people understand something, like yeah. Malcolm said, the price of freedom is death. Yeah, And they make you understand that. Very clearly. I'm you sure. know what? Like I said, if if I just make people understand what Malcolm X said. He mm-hmm. talked about learning. And he would say, you have to learn to be intelligent. Mm-hmm. By learning how to rethink and reassess that which you think you know. If you think you know it, rethink it. Mm-hmm. You should be in a constant state of rethinking what what you say and do. Right. And so he, he said, he said, when you deal with America, he said, America is a cold, calculating international machine that is so corrupt mm-hmm. in her motives and objectives, she has the seeds of her own destruction mm-hmm. right within Which her we're
4: home. experiencing now.
0: Yeah. So I wanna um, you. I want to break right now and I want to uh, bring back uh, something you said a couple minutes ago when you were talking about the youth and taking um, the youth under uh, the wing, the elders taking the youth under the wing. So we're going to have another quick music break. We're going to bring back Dr. Barber. This is a really, really rich an impactful conversation. Um, I really think, I know it's not over, but No, I just wanna say thank you for being here. So when we come back, we're gonna continue uh, this conversation with Dr. Barber and we're gonna get into some youth chatter. I want to go to Bensonhurst, where you grew up, and I want to ask you about change
2: in that neighborhood. Well, when we broke. It was we lived in the house. There's some Jewish people on Mr. Mister Jacobson. Mm -hmm. There were very few black people, but there were. Mm -hmm. We had just in that little cave that we lived in Mm -hmm. was black people. My uncle lived. My mother's uncle lived there. My mother's brother lived there because that's what people did in those days. You know, you lived around your family because we didn't have telephones. Mm-hmm. You know, so people, if somebody got sick, they said we will go over there, get on so and so, or, or get yeah, mm-hmm. and tend to that person because, like I said, we didn't have telephones.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and then so you lived, you know, near your family. Right. And so, like I said, when we. My parents used to tell us, used to talk to us. A lot of times, people don't talk to their children. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have television we didn't have no television, mm-hmm. we didn't have no telephone. So we had family conversations. Our right. parents used to sit us down, and he, my father, would say, "There's four of you. One of you are down and out. All of you, down, all of you are down mm-hmm. and out. Don't sit back and watch each other suffer." and don't raise your hand and don't be speaking in a whole bunch of foolishness. He said, there's nothing, there's nothing, I don't care, there's no money, there's no amount of property that you can argue over and split. Right. He said, you all You gotta be all for one and one for all. Mm-hmm. And we live that way, you get indoctrinated with that, mm-hmm. and you live that.
4: Mm-hmm. And the society reinforced it by, you know, being at odds with us at that time. You, yeah. know, you saw that there was strength in our uh, community.
2: Uh, we, we went to the Munzine Baptist Church. We had, there was a black church. That church is still there. Mm-hmm. And we went to that church, and uh, like Oprah said, that's where you learn how to speak. Everybody had to do their Easter speech. Mm-hmm. You know, the church, you had to, we had to go to, I didn't have to go too much because I was the youngest. Right, But my brothers and them, they used to go to BYU meetings you know, mm-hmm. yeah. During the week, learn the Bible and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so you had, like I said, they made every, all the children in the in the church had to say an Easter poem. Mm-hmm. Depending upon, you know, little kids could say, "Jesus wept," we go sit out. <laughs> but you had to <laughs> say something. Mm-hmm. And I remember over because That's how she learned to be Already. public speaker. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I was raised
0: as a Jehovah's Witness, and that was one of the, the skills that I. I you know, I don't really, you know, that's not something that I subscribe to, but I do identify that my text, my, my analy- analyzation of text and public speaking abilities came from that and the community aspect, my community interest. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. That's, well, sister, she used to be a part of our, org- I was part of a lot of organizations, mm-hmm. United African Movement with Maddox. Mm-hmm. I was part of that because everybody knew each other. You had the same people coming mm-hmm. to all the lectures, and like I said, I had so many D V D not DVDs, CDs, mm-hmm. you know, because pe- we bought them, mm-hmm. went home, and looked at them. Mm-hmm. And so even my press what are you doing with all of these? I said, I have no idea, they still there. But I still would like that one, of Global White Supremacy, mm-hmm. because we had all these people with Amos Wilson, And I remember, the first time I met Amos Wilson, he came to do the lecture, and we didn't know him, because usually we knew everybody who did the lecture. He came, and he sat in the front row. And man was saying, I wonder who that is. And he came the next week, and he brought a film with him. Mm-hmm. And it was a film made in France, dubbed in English. And these French doctors had taken white babies and black babies, and uh, they tested them for motor skills, mm-hmm. and they, every test, the, who walked earlier, mm-hmm. who walked faster, who stood up faster, They these is white doctors and he, and they realized it was black children had an advantage. And after he showed that film, and he had one of these voices, he didn't need no microphone. <laughs> when he spoke, it just hit every wall. Mm-hmm. And instead they said, now ladies and gentlemen, you found out that your children develop faster, here's what they do to stop them." And he laid it out. Mm-hmm. He said, black children have a natural event, they have thicker neck muscles, mm-hmm. and they're able to hold their head up and get a horizontal view of the world fast. He said, they destroy your children in these schools. And he laid out exactly how they go about destroying your children mm-hmm. in school. When you pass your children over to the enemy to educate. Mm -hmm. Like Elijah Muhammad used to say, if they don't treat you right, they ain't going to teach you right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you talked about
0: Bensonhurst. I mean, we've been talking about quite a few things, Um, and and we started the conversation on preservation. Yeah. Um, What do you think one of the biggest challenges of preservation is to, you know, whether it be Bensonhurst or any uh, community where you have... uh, Quite a few bl- um blacks uh, living there within
2: the within a white community within the yeah black people within a white community most of the people they it were Italians mm-hmm. mainly mm-hmm. and Bensonhurst wasn't like it is now out there near Coney Island it was farms mm-hmm. it was farm land and the people who lived out there they had outhouses back then
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know and so. Like I said, my mother used to take us to Miss Gaines, so i start crying because mm-hmm. I didn't want to go to the outhouse. <laughs> and then my brother, you know, they say, Some snakes are out there, too. <laughs>
3: right.
2: Yeah, in that outhouse. But like I said, when we lived, we were all like the only black kids in our class. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have no black people in the book. The only black people in the books back then was the enslaved African. Mm-hmm. So that's what you got to say. Right. And they didn't even have no black people in the reader. Mm-hmm. You know, it was Dick and Jane, and the mm-hmm. dog, and Dick and Butt, and Jane, <laughs> and Spot, mm-hmm. and the picket fence in the house, mm-hmm. and they all lived well, you know what mm-hmm. I mean?
4: Smiling, good. It, I mean, the funny thing is how long that persisted, you know, because yeah. I just remember being a kid and being, you know, inundated with the same books, Dick, Jane, and Spot, you know, yeah. so... It's crazy. Thirty years or whatever later, after you went in school, the same <laughs> the thing is still going, is going on, on. You know on what mental, yeah. i It's mental cycle behavior.
2: I remember I used to work with incur books. I used to volunteer because a young lady who owned it used to be on Saint Marks Avenue near Flappers and Cure books, and I used to volunteer working there because I knew her, her family, and uh, we used to take the books to different schools. So we took the books. I think I don't know what school we took books to, and we were so we bought children's books, age appropriate. Mm-hmm. And one of the kids came back to me. He he bought a book on Malcolm X, and when he went back to his class, teacher told him to return it. His mm-hmm. white teacher told him to return that book. Mm-hmm. So he came back, and I gave him his money back because he couldn't stand up against her. Right. You know. He wasn't equipped. No, he and he didn't know why. Mm-hmm. She told him why He's a bad man. Mm. Can't have that. Mm. But this is what? Mm-hmm. This, this is how they roll. Mm-hmm. They don't play.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know? Well, I went, I went to Pace. We had no black teachers in the 70s. None. And it, for some reason, there was a lot of African students there at that time. And right. they started, I started screaming when was a black teacher. So they got this man from Nigeria. Mm-hmm. He came in there with black pants, black top. Black Tam on a bicycle, and he came in. There. I didn't even know he was the teacher, I thought he was.
4: Black Panther. <laughs> yeah. He
2: came in there and said, We're gonna read. He worked for the English department. Mm-hmm. He said, We're gonna read the autobiography of Malcolm X, mm-hmm. we're gonna read Friends Fanon, mm-hmm. Black Skins, White Mask, Wretched of the Earth, and Lisa. And let me tell you, they started that day. We had one white kid in the class. He probably went back and said, You know what he said? Mm-hmm. They harangued that man. Every class you went in, mm-hmm. don't care what it was, mm-hmm. they had something to say. Right. Them crackers had something to say. Right,
3: right. He is
2: ruining our school. Mm-hmm. He is ruining. We can't put up with that kind of blah, blah, blah. blah. <laughs> I asked my Do you know him? He said, no, I said, well, What are you talking about? We can't have all this consciousness, but I said, what is education supposed to be about? Right. Mm-hmm.
0: It's some sort of awakening in some form or fashion, hopefully.
2: So I asked, I said, how long are you plan on oh, staying? Yeah. He said, long. Right. He was very impatient. Mm-hmm. as long as I stay. I stay as long as I stay. Right. Like, he said, I got other places to go. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but they don't want that. Mm-hmm. You go someplace and you start, you know, telling people the truth or giving the person a new perspective, They don't like it.
0: Because you got to maintain the fabric. Mm. Um, We kind of ran over our last segment. So I want to kind of take advantage of the time. um, Because I want to try to dedicate as much time to this last segment. So we're going to take a a quick break. We're going to jump back into it. um, Because there's a couple threads that I want to try to weave together um, for the conversation. Um, So we'll be right back.
1: You say one for the trouble, two for the time. Come on, y'all. Let's rock this. You say one for the trouble, two for the time. Come on. Speech is my hammer. Bang the world in shape. Now let it fall. Huh is my nemesis it's hard to really chill and sit still committed to page i write around sometimes won't finish for days scrutinize my literature from the large to the miniature i mathematically add minister subtract the wax selector wheel it back i'm feeling that from the core to the perimeter black you know the motto stay fluid even in staccato that full-blooded full throttle breathe deep inside the drum hollow there's the hum, young man, where you're from? Brooklyn number one, native son, speaking in the native tongue. I got my eyes on tomorrow. Why you still trying to find where it is? I'm on the ad where, where it, it lives and dies. violently, silently. silently. Shine so vibrantly that I squint and catch a glimpse. Embrace the bass with my dog, ink fingertips. Used to speak the King's English, but caught a rash on my lips. See, now my chat just like this. Long range from the baseline. Switch. Move like an apparition, Go to the ground with ammunition. Move from the gate, voice queued on your tape, putting food on your plate, many crews can relate. Who choosing your fake, yo? We went from picking cotton, to chain gang line shopping, to be boppin' to hip-hopping. Blues people got the blue chip stock option. Invisible man, got the whole world watching. Where you at? I'm high, low, east, west, all over your mouth. I'm getting big props with this thing called hip-hop. Where you can either get paid or get shot. When your product can stop, the fair weather friends flock. When your chart position jump. Then the phone calls, chill, chill For a minute, man, let's, let's see who else hot. Hot. Snatch, Snatch yourself spot, don't gas yourself up The industry just a better built cell block A long way from the shell times And the bells The L rock, 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 rock. Prosecution evidence an out-of-court settlement, add space for liquor, sick without benefits. Huh. Luxury tenements choking the skyline, it's low-life getting tree up high. It is a backwater remedy, bitter and tender memory, a class C felony, facing the death penalty. Stimulant and sedative, original, repetitive, violently competitive, a school unaccredited. The break beat, you get broken with all time and inappropriate. Hip hop but from selling crack to smoking it. Medicine for loneliness, remind me of the loneliest and dizzy. Why the b boys getting busy? The wartime snapshot. The working man's jackpot, a $2 snack box, so the
0: crack spot, Olympic um, spawns So, alright, so we're back, um, and, you know, like I said, you know, the Combine has been really, really fortunate to extend a lot of uh, our skills and our resources to the community, um and we've been able to bring a lot of amazing and influential people such as yourself dr barbara into the conversation and bring people to a different type of awareness um, especially from uh, the perspective of blackness and black awareness um, and advancement Um, so in this new thing that we're doing um, this after school program in red hook one of the things we're really trying to focus on is narrative and storytelling um, and Red Hook is like, you know, I imagine... And I don't know much about Benson Bensonhurst. I'm not ashamed of my ignorance and not knowing. I'm just saying this is something I'm, I need to get informed about Benson Bensonhurst. But just hearing your story and your narrative, I I can only imagine that there were a series of changes and involvements that took place um, from when you grew up to right now. Um, and I feel like Red Hook is very... And it has been for some time and very much on the fringe of change, probably in a very explosive way. Uh, so, I want to talk about stories, culture, preservation. Can you talk about that?
2: Yeah. Would you, like I said, your story is not the white man's story. We have different stories altogether. Mm-hmm. And so, like my, my father, people always ask, my father always wanted us to have courage. Because he was run out of South Carolina by a lynch mob, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. he went to a store, his mother sent him to a store. My grandmother, she was born in 1875, Mm -hmm. and she had a a pension because her husband was a civil, her deceased husband was a Civil War veteran, Mm -hmm. and we have his discharge papers Mm -hmm. home. He had fought in the Civil War, and so my father went to. A store, his mother sent him to a store, and some white woman came in, and he said, I was next.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And they called the sheriff on him, and he didn't move, he didn't run. So the sheriff said to him, You know, you want them stiff ends, mm-hmm. and you're going to come to a bed. And he was about 14, and he went home. And, and my grandmother used to do laundry for these Europeans, mm-hmm. and they told her, Miss Ali, you better get your boy out of here. They coming for him. Mm-hmm. And she got him out. He came to New York to a half-sister because his father had been married before. He married my grandmother because he was older to be my grandmother's father because mm-hmm. when she married him, he had children older than her. Because right. wow. I couldn't figure out. <laughs> <laughs> I just say, Mom, Why I she night? still living? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out. You know, Uh how she had a husband before the Civil War. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, right. yeah. She was well preserved. Yeah. And so, my my grandmother, she would talk about, she she would never look at, when we finally got a TV, she absolutely refused to watch television. Mm-hmm. She said, I am not sitting up here watching the white faces in here. Mm. I am not sitting up. Because
3: <laughs> mm, that, that wasn't her story. Yeah, it
2: wasn't her story. Mm-hmm. And so, my father always was kind of bitter about that bit because he came and he came to a half sister here mm-hmm. and she lived in Harlem and she did day's work, sleeping work, mm-hmm. and he somehow he lost contact with her. Mm-hmm. And then he said he used to just stay in a boarding house on 59th Street and he said there was a lot of elders in there who would give him direction, telling mm-hmm. him, Go to Y, go here. Mm-hmm. So he said, When he met my mother, that in her family, he didn't have too much family. Mm -hmm. Somebody, uh, he went on a date, how he met my mother, he he went on a date with somebody else. Mm -hmm. And my mother, what happened was they took a cab, Mm -hmm. so him and his date took a cab, they were going to a dance, and then they picked up my mother and her date, (laughs) <laughs> and so when they went to this dance, so my father said, boy, when she took her coat off, I said, oh my goodness. <laughs> I like your pop. <laughs> right. He said, he said, I just was dancing with her, he said, and I knew where she lived. So I just started going by there, mm-hmm. it out. He said, when I got married, I didn't even invite that chuck. <laughs> right. That's
3: funny.
2: Yeah. And so... He was saying she came such my mother's a very, very kind person, mm-hmm. very loving mm-hmm. person. And so I think that's what him attracted him to my mother, because mm-hmm. she was just so kind, you know. Like I said we we always had a whole bunch of people come to our house. Mm-hmm. Cause she was always feeding the people. Everybody come to our house and, and eat and get a meal. you know. And so I think that's what attracted him to her, him mm-hmm. coming from. But he was always kind of bitter, mm-hmm. especially when he came to Europeans. Because mm-hmm. one time somebody shot my my brother with a with a BB gun. He mm-hmm. was coming. My brothers and them used to, Chinese used to chase them home from school all the time. Mm-hmm. And my father would say, "I can't fight for y'all. You have to fight for yourself." Mm-hmm. So he worked for the railroad, so he would come to school and stand across the street mm-hmm. and watch us. Is yeah. what type. This white kid, he was really playing with my brother mm-hmm. and he was pushing my brother off the sidewalk and my brother was stepping back on and he looked up and he saw my father mm-hmm. looking at him what? and he tore into this kid and the kid said, Well what the heck happened? I thought we was playing. Mm-hmm. I know I don't know what's going on. Cause my every, boss, every game made the same. Like not my father. Yeah, because <laughs> he knew when he got home.
4: That was a rap. It mm-hmm.
2: was there, he was gonna have to hear about it. Mm-hmm. So people are like, how do you learn to be so warlike? I said, listen, I was born in war, mm-hmm. in warlike conditions. Mm-hmm. And understanding you got to fight and like I said when my when they shot my brother with their BB gun and my grand when my when my grandfather said, when your father get home, there's some guns. They took them guns and went to, and my brother where it happened and they rang them practice bell. <laughs> with them guns. He mm-hmm. said, you, you know anything about this? And the crackers said, yeah. And they they turned the guy in. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather told him, these are my grandchildren. Everybody knew my grandfather, he worked, picked up the garbage. Because mm-hmm. my grandfather, literally, you didn't have to take no tests to work for the Department of Sanitation mm-hmm. back then. Right. My grandfather said, these are my grandchildren. anything if them happened, somebody's gonna get hurt. We don't care who.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> somebody, Somebody.
2: So we ain't had no problems after that, because mm-hmm. that's what it is, you know, when you stand, mm-hmm. when you stand up and people think, well, I might get hurt messing with some people. And we had our neighbors.
4: Completely. Yes. I mean, the reality is, let's think about all of these black people being murdered here by police. Yeah. If the actual officer who did this was to turn up missing mm-hmm. or dead, it would stop immediately. <clears throat> that's why they,
2: that's why they keeps us close watch on us. Yeah. Everything is it's tapped. Like massage. Everything, yeah. Everything is tapped. Mm-hmm. They know when you pee. Yeah. I mean, they know everything you do because they know. This situation has got to get explosive. Right. Yeah.
4: Right. There's we live no, in a in the panopticon basically.
2: Yeah. It has to get explosive. Mm-hmm.
0: So if you could you know, you had you've had a wonderful wonderful life and it's been really amazing to hear the story. Um we, you know, one of the things we're constantly trying to figure out is, like, you know, what do we need to excavate, if that's the proper word, from these kids? Like, how do we, like, what, what can we, how can, can, you forecast some stories that we need to kind of pull out of these kids? Well,
2: you know, how old is this children you took? 12, 13 years, 12, 13 years 13 old, years adolescent. Adolescent. That's hard, particularly when they go home and they don't have backup, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They don't have, I remember my father said, he stops there on that corner, listening to the Malcolm X. I mm-hmm. feel on the next train. Mm-hmm. On the next train, go to the Malcolm X, are you serious? Mm-hmm. Then finally, he got to be big, big Malcolm X band himself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, I said, you know, we do, you have to, it's hard because they're not going to get reinforced, and their parents may not like it, mm. but you're going to teach them particularly uh young men mm. I mean the target is for all our children, but it's particularly young men like i have young women who who uh have children and i gave I gave her books four books called uh what is it uh countering the conspiracy mm-hmm. to destroy black boys. Mm-hmm. It came in for, uh, by Jawaharlal jurorical truth, mm-hmm. truth who he's an educated,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and it came in full vibe. Mm-hmm. So that you know, from very young, mm-hmm. you ask the kids, they have to destroy your child. Of yeah.
4: course.
2: There's nothing special ed, just like the other day, they said, wasn't it Elijah Cummings? He was a special ed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was
4: entitled one as a kid, they yeah. put me in that. Yeah,
3: program. plus
2: it's money. Yeah. They do everything for money, mm-hmm. for extra money. Mm-hmm. They don't care nothing about you. Mm-hmm. Everything, like Norman said, even misagreed mm-hmm. runs the society. Mm-hmm. And you, and they lie. They lie. Every night you hear on TV in debates, we don't know how to give healthcare. You used to know. Right. You forgot.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But what happens, the, the federal budget, over 50% of the federal budget goes to the military. Mm-hmm. Cause they got bases all over the place. That's why they don't have no money right. for, for education. They got people bogged down for this bad education, all these loans. Mm-hmm. This is what they do. When they, when, when when America decided they were gonna send uh, all the jobs overseas, they made other jobs. Mm-hmm. Mass incarceration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They created industries. Yeah. They so create. people can stay paid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They so created all these other jobs for themselves. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. Right.
0: So last thing I wanna you know, we got about a minute left. This book, talk to us about this book that you uh that you brought in with you.
2: Well, I bought this book in because uh he called me the other mm-hmm. day mm-hmm. and said that this book was on the internet for how much money? Six hundred
5: dollars. Six hundred
0: dollars.
2: Yeah, six hundred dollars. Guys, um wow. and, and and I
0: w I wanna so this book is uh it's not even It's 116th of an inch thick. That's not
4: Francis Crest.
0: Um, This is a book um, called The Crest Theory of Color, Confrontation, and Racism in quotations, I mean, in parentheses, white supremacy. The price of this book, um, retail price of this book, is $4. It's a black and white um, book. It's, you know, brown with age. And this book is on the internet for $600. Dollars. So Rudy just pulled it up uh, yeah. for us right now. And so thousand dollars.
4: thousand dollars. Well, you There's know Not what, that many of them.
2: Yeah. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. That
4: I can see.
2: what I did mm-hmm. it was on the internet. Mm-hmm. So, I went, I looked at it because what happened another magazine had reprinted it, right. it. So, when I went on the internet yeah and I just said to him I said, you don't have to do all that. No mm-hmm. six hundred thousand. But a lot of stuff was on it. Just like well at Peace House, I gave a, a lecture at Peace House Center mm-hmm. and the people from buff mm-hmm. or young people, they were like uh like thirty ish, twenty mm-hmm. eight, something like that. They mm-hmm. came to Peace House Center where I was working. I bought a whole case of this book, Recharge Genocide. If you go on Internet, put it in
5: Recharge Genocide. Do, do you have this book? What? Um, integration is a Bitch is by this uh, it was a black engineer in the 60s he was oh, yeah. the only black engineer in this company but he was an illustrator that was his hobby and so he did all these illustrations about what it's like to be to be black to be think, black in a white person
2: I think I've seen it Right. I have this book home called "How to Get Along with a Black Person" because mm-hmm. white people just say they would like to get along with us, they just don't know how. You know, it's funny because uh, <laughs>
0: uh, Melvin Van Peebles had that essay how to, to how to how to well, no, uh, how to eat uh watermelon in pup how to eat watermelon in front of white people and enjoy it, which right. I I thought was a hilarious title. Just um, eat it? Yeah, just <laughs> eat it right. But needless to say, this book is is proven that knowledge is worth something you, yeah. you can actually you know it, 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 it's worth a lot of money um dr barbara it has really been a privilege to have you um on uh this episode of the podcast um the stories that you've had to tell and the stories that you're preparing for us to kind of go into our work with um it's really been enlightening so i really thank you for that and uh,
2: um, I said it's my obligation, responsibility. I love mm-hmm.
0: it. I love it. So, um, with that being said, this is the Brooklyn Combine. We are the Brooklyn Combine. We're signing off, and we will see or h- listen to you, or you can listen to us next time around. Peace. Peace. Peace.